This is Jalen Samuels, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap here, of course, with Byron Lambert. Thank you to everybody who rated and reviewed the podcast last week. I was hoping we would get up to 270 ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts. We did hit 270. Uh, Hopefully over the course of the week we can get that up to 280, 290, maybe even 300. The listener numbers are growing and growing and growing here for the pod, and we appreciate you guys listening. So if you do appreciate the podcast and you like the the consistency and the volume with which we're bringing them these days, please, uh, the, the way you can let us know is by going there to Apple Podcasts, giving us a good rating and a review. And of course, you can always support the podcast, support everything that we do here at RosterWatch by getting a pro membership at RosterWatch.com, which gives you the ability to get the, all the cheat sheet products, all of our premium material, and access to us to uh, ask all of your fantasy football questions. So with that being said, Byron, what the hell is going on? Day one of the annual master cleanse, my friend. Oh, Really? So so um, it's the why don't you tell everybody what a master cleanse is? Well, it's like the seventy-five-year-old uh, creation of Doctor Stanley Burroughs. I'm not sure he was a real medical doctor. I'm not sure he'd get MD <laughs> MD on the back of his NFL jersey or not. <laughs> it's like this hypnotist I listen to named Doctor Richard Bandler, and if you look up his history, he like I think he I think he murdered. Um, he murdered some woman that was his girlfriend, apparently some prostitute that was his girlfriend and stuff. And they, like this guy never got any kind of MD and I'm letting him hypnotize me. Yeah. So it's basically just the cleanse where you flush your body for seven to 10 days with nothing but distilled water, freshly sque- squeezed lemon or lime juice, cayenne pepper, and, uh, either grade B maple syrup or the mineral rich, uh, agave syrup and nectar, the very dark kind. You make a big concoction out of that. You don't eat any food for seven to ten days, and uh, you you live off of that. It's, it's a it's quite the salubrious activity, and it really provides the rest and the flush that your digestive system and a lot of your uh, vital organs need, and you can tell it's very restorative. Your body says thank you afterwards. So try to get it in once a year, man. It's always a tough, always tough on day one, man. I've tried it once, and I have a bunch of different issues with it. For one, it fucks up all my routines. You know, I like to have a beer at 6.30 or a shot of tequila at 6.37 at night. You know, I like to have my sit down and have my dinner. I like to, and when I don't, I'm just sitting here, I'm like, what, what the hell am I going to do? This is the time when I'm supposed to be eating. This is the time when I'm supposed to have a drink. You know, this is the time when I'm supposed to kind of wind down and relax. I remember one time back in our old neighborhood, you had a, like, 
I was like, it was the time when you were like repainting your house. And I said, you know what? If, if I could have something, a project like that underway, that was kind of throwing me off my routine anyway, maybe I could do it. But otherwise I just can't. It's just, it's too much. It's too much for me, man. It's just too much. Well, certainly one of the most challenging parts is breaking your routine, man. You don't realize how entrenched you are in that. What you really come to learn is how much of that is based around food in your lives. How much of everything you do is based around food well, that, or well, but that's what our answer I mean that's the thing. Everything is based around food because it fuels our bodies and we, everything that we're doing in our lives to to get money and to be able to you know do if if we didn't have jobs our jobs would be going and and, and gaining sustenance out in the wild world in hunting and gathering. Those that would be our job. Because all you really do is you have to carry on, right? If there wasn't this, if there wasn't material wealth to worry about, and there wasn't, um, you know, these things that were that these first world issues that we have, literally, your job is to eat. So I don't think that it's like that weird that it's something that's entrenched in our brains. That's just it, how we've evolved, it's right? It's not weird, but you really realize it, and there's a huge difference between realizing something and being aware or taught or even knowing something. So let me ask you this. Uh, like, how much different is this master cleanse in this 7 to 10 day long fast? And what does it do for you? Um, well, what does it do for you health-wise? Like you said, it just kind of gives your organs a break and it gives you a bit of a reset, I guess. I mean, is that what you're... Yeah, I think the easiest way to put it is it's a huge reset button for your whole body. Uh, kind of breaks breaks you of a lot of habits. It breaks you of any desires for anything sugary or calorie rich. Uh, it's certainly you know you you read you know even f- famous athlete. You know what's funny is Western medicine, and you'll understand this, Alex. A lot of Western doctors over the modern times have basically said that this entire regimen is complete nonsense. And by the way, it's not a fast; it is a cleanse, and there is a difference. You're consuming about if you drink a gallon a day, you're consuming roughly a thousand or twelve hundred calories uh, via the uh, grade B uh, maple syrup. Uh, you know, but so Western medicine. Grade B. What does that mean, too? Not to get you off track, because I want to hear your thought. But what does that mean? Grade B is there a grade A or grade C? Yeah, what does it, that mean? It means it's tapped later in the season, so it's darker and more mineral rich. So part okay. of what you're doing with this cleanse is you're getting a massive blast of minerals and vitamins into your, okay. into your body through this process. Back to the back to the dichotomy of the between western and eastern medicine. Yeah, so the western doctors in modern times have completely poo-pooed this and obviously said there's no scientific research to says it do anything, you know, does anything and by the way it could be harmful and I just think that anybody that's actually ever done it would know that your body tells you thank you. So it makes me very skeptical that any of those doctors have actually ever tried it themselves. I know they might lack quote unquote empirical research. Of course, it's also a good way to like just to tr- to lean up a little bit as well um, over that time. And so it's a decent reducing diet. You've heard of people using this, even stars using this to like get ready for movie roles and stuff like that. Uh, you can do it for much longer than than ten days. 
safely. But yeah, you hear athletes like George St. Pierre now. He just had colitis. It's like ulcers in your colon and stuff that were causing him major problems with his athletic career. And he said he used to eat so much because he worked out so much. And now he's gone to more. And you know about this, Alex, from like your um, your feeding windows. He's gone to kind of like intermittent interval eating and periodic fasting and regimented fasting is like a, and he says just doing that has really restored most of his digestive health and eliminated most of the problems he was experiencing before and that's a lot of the same premise of a of a cleanse like this is kind of the restorative the the break you're giving everything um and how how that's that's very healthy i mean think about it you would wash the outside of anything why wouldn't you clean out the inside of a machine or a body or anything else right no i get it i get it i just i i just can't do it and the next thing i was gonna or i haven't been able to do it yet and the next thing i was gonna be ask you is what you thought about intermittent fasting because that's something as you mentioned that i partake in where i only eat on a nine hour window i i have a nine hour feeding window every day that i learned most days you know I'll, i'll eat breakfast maybe one day a week or you know maybe two days a week but otherwise, like, I'll only eat from noon until 9 p.m. And then after that, I can't take in any calories otherwise. So I guess that's a nine-hour feeding window. So I go – I have a 15-hour fast every day. Like, how does that compare? And is that a fame what, – what Byron Lambert would famously call a half measure? I actually think it makes a whole lot of sense, man. And um, just the concept behind it. Uh, I think the, the, it sounds like the amount of time that you're doing it for every day, that's a, obviously a big or a rest to your system. To me, it just makes a lot of sense. It's a sustainable, manageable way to live life and to not overeat. It certainly simulates more the way that things really were when you had to yeah, capture or obtain uh, your own food. Yeah, and, and the thing about the cleanse, man, that I like is even though Stanley Burroughs recommends going into basically a plant-based diet, mostly at, once you come off the cleanse slowly and just you know not eating a whole lot of food, uh, I've had success in the past going from the cleanse with into more of an interval and regimented kind of fasting type deal where I might go like once a week where I just don't really eat or, you know, I like what your dad always did, man, two meals a day. That's just so sustainable. Right. So, yeah, no, that's why. Yeah. That's, that's why the intermittent fasting was easy for me to pick up. And do you know what I read? Do you know what I, I was listening to Andrew Brandt's podcast, the business of sports. And he's, he's like into, um, Andrew Brand is into biking and into talking about Lance Armstrong's podcast and then talking about like Tim Ferriss's podcast. Tim Ferriss is a dude who was one of the first pods that I ever heard about uh, intermittent fasting. I think it was Dr. Rhonda Patrick that he had on since I've heard her on Joe Rogan and all this other stuff. But it's funny because and it's just so funny because, you know, Dimitrov, Thomas Dimitrov, the GM of the Vikings with his hair all slicked back and stuff. He's all fucking woo woo into the, all the Lance Armstrong shit, too. 
and he had Dimitrov on his podcast to talk about some recent bike thing that he went on. And all Dimitrov does is drop fucking drop Lance Armstrong's name and to say how he was just in Austin down here doing it and this bike ride he just went on. You know, we see him in Mobile riding around his bike with his hair all spiked up and shit, right? Like, so he's, he's like, real into this. Yeah, and it's and, just not a surprise at all that he's boys with Lance Armstrong. Yeah, not one bit, right? Cut, <laughs> one cut bit. from the same type of cloth. Yeah. And so him and Andrew Brandt were talking, and, they like, both those guys have kind of taken up intermittent fasting. But what Dimitrov has started doing is he, like, he, on Sundays... He takes in his last. He takes in his la- He has a big Sunday dinner at like seven o'clock at night, right? And then every Monday, he just uh, he he doesn't eat. A- he doesn't eat again until dinner on Monday. And he says it's been amazing what it's done for his energy levels, uh, what it's what it's done for and things. It's shoot things. It's helped intermittent mat- like intermittent fasting in correspondence with some other things and stuff. It's helped me immensely with my uh, mainly with my blood pressure. But also with my uh, cholesterol and with um, uh, just energy levels and stuff like that. I think there is something to maybe just every now and then giving your maybe like you said giving your organs a break. I just think fucking ten days of it is just great. Do you think you're gonna go ten days? I never go ten days. I can usually make it to about the. <laughs> I can always, usually I make it to the short side of this thing. I make it to you, the seven yeah, the seven day you, mark. You always say that you can like by the time you get to fucking day seven, you can you can smell somebody cooking meat on their barbecue. Oh, literally halfway down the block. It's crazy. It's like you're you're turned into a dog you, or your something. Sense the smell is heightened through the roof. It's unbelievable. But, you know, one of the cool things is, too, is you kind of learn to distinguish between actually being hungry and just wanting to eat, you know. And, I mean, part of the part of the intermittent thing is just helps you not overeat, man. You really don't – you don't – you're really not supposed to eat very much food. Even if you're a big person, it just doesn't take that much food to kind of get through every day, even if you're real active. Yeah, it's true. All right, well, I think people have heard enough about the cleanses and the fasting and everything like that. Uh, but we wanted to make sure and talk about, you know, here's a segue. Have we cleansed, have we cleansed ourselves of Jalen Samuels all of a sudden? We don't talk about him anymore. We talked about the Kalen Bellage, um strategy yesterday for best ball, where if you have to take Kenyon Drake, you got to plug your nose and do it. Uh, we talked about it on the SiriusXM show. You can get uh, Kalen Bellage a whole lot later with the current best ball ADP of uh, 211. So you can get him in the 18th, 19th round. Um, so basically the last round of your drafts or the you know, you know 18th round of your MFL 10s. I think about the Senior Bowl and the two runners that we love the most from that Senior Bowl. Even I mean, during the week of practices for our All Senior Bowl team, they were more impressive that week than Rashad Penny. Were Kalen Bellage, who had a better week of practice than Rashad Penny at the Senior Bowl? I don't think anybody was anybody who was there would would deny that. And then Jalen Samuels had a more impressive week of practices at the Senior Bowl than, than Rashad Penny. Did we have either of those guys ranked over Rashad Penny in our rookie rankings? No. But we did see during that week, these are players that we really liked. Jalen Samuels has a lot going for him. And traditionally, we've always loved Le'Veon Bell handcuffs. In, 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 in fantasy, even in redraft, because if Le'Veon Bell does get hurt or if he does hold out super long or he misses some time or anything like that, 
we've seen what that coaching staff does and it doesn't go to some weird committee it doesn't do anything you know it doesn't do anything that's going to swindle us as fantasy owners it runs the offense as if the Le'Veon Bell was in the offense and I can't imagine a better player than Jalen Samuels to just step in and be a Le'Veon Bell Jr. Well, I mean where, where are you right now on Jalen Samuels we haven't talked about him he's not really on a spot in the cheat sheet where we're getting a whole ton of him even though we have Jalen Sam uh, I don't know I don't feel like I've been getting a ton of him but we do have him above guys that you know the Spencer wears of the world he has a Jalen Samuels has a 237 ADP right now we have him above guys like Spencer Ware and Kenneth Dixon who have ADPs at 206 above TJ Yeldon who has a 211 ADP but do we need to be getting him higher up the cheat sheet maybe above the I mean, do we need to be getting him up above the Matt Breedas of the world, the Doug Martins of the world, maybe the Austin Ecklers? Where are you on Jalen Samuels? Well, let me ask you, Alex, because the incredibly difficult hair to split on the Dynasty rookie draft cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com has been between Naeem Hines and Jalen Samuels, guys that are back-to-back that have flip-flopped on the sheet a couple of times and have a very small degree of separation uh, in their in essentially their rookie rating, uh, and I, so this is a little more of a dynasty context, Alex. But well, the, what say the you dynasty about that? Angle makes the, well, the dynasty angle makes that one a lot tougher because in redraft, I want Naheem Hines 100 times out of 100 for 2018. But the fact of the matter is, is that Le'Veon Bell is, you know, he's coming into all these contract issues. Who knows? I mean, the Steelers might have to part ways with, with Le'Veon Bell. And if they do, Jalen Samuels is an unbelievable pass catcher. They can line up in the slot. They can run all of the same option routes that Le'Veon Bell can. He can run between the tackles along with the best of them uh, in this class. I know that he went to the he went to the combine as a tight end. But I asked that dude at the combine. I said, dude, dude why, why are you here as a tight end? And he goes, I don't know. Like, I've, like I wish I was here as a running back. My agent doesn't know, like, anything like that. So um, I, he sees himself as a running back. The Steelers, whenever they turned in the card that said his name, it said Jalen Samuels running back in C State. He's a running back, but he's a running back receiving hybrid, and he, he's just a much better player than James Conner. And everybody thinks that James Conner is the handcuff to Le'Veon Bell. He is not the handcuff to Le'Veon Bell. It's going to be Jalen Samuels because Jalen Samuels is a mini Le'Veon Bell. And if this team is making plans for the future post-Le'Veon Bell, they will most certainly involve Jalen Samuels. So when I think about Jalen Samuels versus Naheem Hines for Dynasty, I think, okay, Dynasty, we have... And didn't you get the feeling yesterday talking to Jordan Wilkins on the SiriusXM radio program? For, for one, I love that guy. I mean... I moved him up the I moved him up the uh, the uh, best ball cheat sheet for version seven point two just simply because I I I think I think that kid's going to come in and be a, an excellent employee for those guys and get on the football field. He's I mean he's a he's a really impressive kid. But talking to that guy, all he talked about was him and Naheem Hines. You know what I mean? I feel like Naheem Hines is going to be an important part of that offense as soon as 2018, and he will be an important part moving forward, but I think he's always going to be a committee back guy. Whereas if, if the Steelers don't change their stripes and Le'Veon Bell is gone while Mike Tomlin is still part of that staff and they have any sort of... Uh, I, I don't know, any sort of um, longitudinal um, 
preference for just having that one guy that's the workhorse that dominates the snap share and dominates the touches, Jalen Samuels down the road could be, I mean, a monster. So I don't know. That's a really tough hair to split. I'm glad that you do the dynasty cheat sheet and not me. Because uh, I don't know. I think I might have Naeem Hines maybe ahead of well, him. Naeem Hines currently sits atop Jalen Samuels. But that's a tough On the one. latest like version it. of the Dynasty Rookie Draft cheat sheet available for our pro subscribers at Roster Watch. News coming in actually this morning that second-year running back in Pittsburgh, James Conner, is 100% coming off of his MCL injury from last year. He's ready to rock and roll uh, for OTAs. Alex, you called Jalen Samuels a mini Le'Veon Bell I've always maintained that he is a bigger, better version of Corey Clement. Now, does he have the same type of opportunity here in Pittsburgh that maybe a guy like Corey Clement has in Philadelphia? And, you know, as a, as, a, as a measuring stick, how much do we value a guy like Corey Clement this year that I think a Jalen Samuels can, in short order, become similar to in the NFL? Well, he can't become similar to Corey Clement unless he, he, he can't become similar to Corey Clement. Strictly because of Le'Veon Bell's workhorse ability, even though they're talking about getting a JHI super involved in Philadelphia, it's just there's just no role for anybody other than Le'Veon Bell in the Pittsburgh yeah. offense. Yeah, yeah. It's going to, like, he can't be a Corey Clement because if, he, if Le'Veon Bell is healthy, He's he's virtually Jalen Samuels is virtually worthless. Well, then by, right? by deduction, but, you but, have to. Have- but but if but but if Le'Veon Bell is hurt, Jalen Samuels is gold. And I don't see a situation where Corey Clement is gold. So I, I don't I think that Corey Clement's a higher floor guy. And I think that. Jalen Samuels is a guy who, you know, we just have to think of as a as a, a super high efficiency yield handcuff, and maybe a dude that you that you, you know, swoop in in dynasty and you get late and you stash him in hopes that they can't get a contract done with Le'Veon Bell. They they might not be able to, or Le'Veon could get hurt this year and they're not gonna be, they're not gonna pay him. But Le'Veon Bell, we've we've said it from the very beginning. Le'Veon Bell is going to be asking for north of ten million bucks a year as a running back, and a lot of north te- of ten. I mean, he, he's already talking. He 15, wants Antonio 15, Brown whatever. money already. Yeah, north of fifteen. So, well, don't you remember when we first brought this narrative up? We were talking north of ten, and even that seemed ridiculous on a on a long multi year contract. It wasn't long ago. So I mean, yeah. So that thing's even going up. It's like th- this thing's not headed in the right direction with with Le'Veon Bell. So I ju- I think for dynasty, that's where Jalen Samuels is the interesting discussion. I think for redraft, we can't consider him for anything more than a super high efficiency yield handcuff, a much higher efficiency yield than anybody's giving him credit for, due only to the presence of James Conner, who I really think people still just kind of remember and like, just because he's such a great story for overcoming his um, leukemia. Was it leukemia? cancer i mean so of course he's i mean he he had the best-selling jersey the year he came out you know for a while there just because everybody loves the story with that being said jalen samuels can just do a lot of things that that james connor can't yeah by deduction i believe you've just made the case that in best ball and potentially in season long that jalen samuels belongs behind guys like Corey clement guys like kalen balage which those are already which, very late round picks, which they which the ADPs dictate. I'm just I'm just wondering, do we like? The question is, who do you if, like if, as the if, handcuff? If, if the still, question if, is, if you're a Le'Veon Bell owner this year, 
That's the there roster no question. watch question. It's, 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 it's Jalen Samuels. It's Jalen Samuels. I have no doubt in my mind. Well, that's I've seen I've 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 seen all these guys up close and in person. Well, it's Jalen Samuels. That's what it's like to be a member of the nation. That, um, that's what we do, but, man. Uh, Everybody else is talking but, about James Conner. Well, that's that's foolish. It's going to be Jalen Samuels if if he can pick up the playbook. You know, we know that James Conner's had a had a. Uh, a little while to you know pick up the playbook and and maybe you know if Le'Veon Bell were to go down with a drastic injury in week two or something like that it might be a li- they might have to change their stripes for a little while to have a little bit of a committee that was kind of led by James Conner but Jalen Samuels would pick up steam through that process and by week six he would be the lead dog there in route to completely taking over the backfield that's just the way it's that's the way it has to happen that's the way it's going to happen um so with that being said do you, do you like Jalen Samuels better than uh, Buck Allen or Austin Eckler just for pure best ball and or redraft purposes? Or do you think him slated in behind those guys and just above the Elijah Maguire, Spencer Ware, and Kenneth Dixons of the world is about where we should have him? I think he's probably where we should have him. You can make an argument over Buck Allen. You know me. I'm a bit of an Austin Eckler loyalist. <laughs> haven't, haven't, haven't yet drafted him in any of my best ball drafts, but have certainly had him on my lo- watch list a few times when I've gotten into those deep running back territories. You know he'll have one or two games where he pops off this year. You, you talked about how you're an Austin Eckler loyalist. I, yeah, I know that sometimes you've talked about being a Devontae Parker uh, loyalist and or um, I, I, the occasional truther. Do you, so the Dolphins coaches are saying that he spent the most time in the building since the last season in it of anybody else. And they're also saying, you know, they're saying, look, we talked too much about him last year. The hype got too big. We saw what happened. We're just keeping our mouths shut about Devontae Parker this year and taking it day to day with that guy. You know, you'll, you'll see what he is whenever the season starts. But they did say that no players have spent more time in the building this year than Devontae Parker since the season ended. Um, that was what, that's what the, run, the uh, wide receivers coach down there in Miami has said. Where are you on Devontae Parker? Are you, are you taking another stroll down Devontae Parker Lane this year? Or are you just – are you – completely off of that because Devontae Parker has an ADP in best ball of 96.27. Um, he's going around the same time as Sterling Shepard, Chris Hogan, um, Randall Cobb. So between those guys, how do you – let's just talk about those What's guys. That? That's the turn between the eighth and ninth round, essentially the so, 12th pick of the eighth round. Yeah, the eighth round, like the the last pick of the eighth round is pick ninety six. So yeah, it's at the eight nine turn. Yeah. So here are other guys that are going at the eight nine turn: Nelson Aguilar, jo- or, no, I'm I'm sorry, Randall Cobb, Devontae Parker, Sterling Shepard, Chris Hogan. How do you how do you stack those guys up? Cobb, Parker, Ag- no, Cobb, Parker, Sterling Shepard, Chris Hogan. Probably Cobb, Hogan, Parker, Shepard. Okay. I want, I want average 
to slightly sub-average exposure to Devontae Parker, but I'm not all the way out on him at that ADP. Give me a little bit. I mean, I you know that sometimes sometimes you gotta double down. You know what I mean? You already got that sunken cost last year. I know that that we will argue these are mutually exclusive mm-hmm. events, but I feel and like I, I have I some mean, emotional equity in this whole deal. Well, and you're I, also no- talking you're also talking about something that actually has a fallacy named after it. But I mean, I understand what you mean. I understand what you mean. It just hurt. It, it's like it's like Gurley from it's like Gurley from from 2016. We, we, you know, everybody owned Gurley. If you use the roster watch cheat sheet, and that clearly wasn't optimal, but we're not going to fucking back off telling everybody to take Todd Gurley in 2017, and thank God we didn't. And a lot more people owned him in 2017 because he's in that second round where everybody had access to him on the sheet. Right, right. That's definitely Versus true. The top whereas, of the whereas, sheet. whereas before he was just at the tip top of the sheet, and only you know one one twelfth of roster watch nation had to deal with that. But yeah, so um, sunken cost fallacy, uh, Devonte Parker. We're we're in on it. <laughs> we're just we're gonna go with that. I mean, like I said, average to sub average exposure, but I don't have to divest completely of Parker, especially when you're talking about the the context of the names that you threw around there. I mean. He'd, the guy does have – he's a beast, man, right? You know, but I'm not going out of my way to own Devontae Parker this year. Would you Would you take any of these running backs who have similar ADPs to Devontae Parker over him? Uh, Marshawn Lynch, Marlon Mack, Jamal Williams, or On Johnson? I'd take On Johnson. You like On Johnson better than all those guys? Yeah, and I'm not even a carry on Johnson guy, right? You know, I've I think yeah, I think I do too. So let's make an adjustment here on the sheet because, but you don't like carry on Johnson better than C.J. Anderson, I know. Oh, you, no you're, way! You're getting C.J. Anderson in every best ball draft. I think that you're every photo of every draft right? I send you has him. I probably need to start divesting a little bit, but I just which can't. is so funny because it's like what a weird guy for you to just love. But it's, doesn't that let's say talk something? About that. Why do you just why do you why do you love C.J. Anderson so much this year? It's just the perfect. I always, I, I always want to ask you. Like, you send me the screenshots, and you're like, "This is a sick team." I just did on draft, you know, these quick drafts or whatever. And every single time, there's CJ Anderson, and I always want to ask. But I'm always like, I need to ask Byron why. Just why does he have 100 percent exposure to CJ Anderson? I mean, I guess it's a point in the draft wherever you're not taking a tight end at that point because the tight ends you're going to be looking at around the same ADP are Delaney Walker and Kyle Rudolph. I don't think we're either of us are too interested in either of those guys. And the wideouts that you're looking at at that same range. Are are the you know the Jordy Nelsons, the Pierre Garçons, the Des Bryants, the Jamison Crowders, the Marquise Goodwins? You know, that's the, none of those guys are too appetizing either. Is that kind of the crux of well, it? I think that's a pretty good explanation. It's a pretty soft spot, soft spot on the sheet, if you will. Soft spot amongst cross positionally amongst ADPs, uh, if you will, and. Uh, I just find it to be a screaming value, and it's just best player available available in best ball. I'm looking for just at least a couple of two, three, maybe even four good games out of a guy that I'm taking there, hopefully more. But, I mean, C.J. Anderson, I just feel like the opportunity is ripe. It's the perfect landing spot for him. It's a great opportunity. He's the perfect complement to Christian McCaffrey. This is the kind of back that the Panthers were clearly in need of. It's impossible to believe, but true, that C.J. Anderson had his first, what was it, 1,000-yard season 
last year. And the guys that we trust in the Denver area that have had their finger on the pulse of the C.J. Anderson situation are, and are daily at Broncos facilities have all said to a man that when he's healthy, C.J. Anderson is still a quality running back. So to me, it's just circumstantially all of that adds up. Great value. I'm looking for depth at running back and wide receiver at that position in the draft. And C.J. Anderson just always a guy staring me in the face. One last question. This is kind of an odd question, but I asked Trashman last week because um, there was a question on Mike Florio's very successful PFTPM podcast from a member of his PFTPM posse when he took listener questions that I thought was just a, a crazy question to think about. And I wanted I wanted to ask both you guys in that in in the in the vein of the NBA play or the NBA you know um, the NBA um, finals you know having started what what would you think about a three game series for the Super Bowl and could it ever happen? I mean, fans would love it, of course. Uh, don't you think that the league would love the money? feels like the league should love the money i mean do you think they do you, do you think they would feel like it would be diluting the product and there's one super bowl and it's always been that way and protect the goddamn shield and what the fuck were we even talking about in the end because you know i think historically they're gonna look at you know think about organizing that many big games how realistic is that i mean you, you have to imagine the whole reason the Super Bowl has always been a singular event in the first place is the same reason that the regular season has so many fewer games than baseball or basketball. Just the physicality of the sport, the attrition, very hard to have integrity across a three-game series health-wise where you're rolling your best players out in all of those contests. Nobody wants to watch us. You know, it's, it's tough to watch sometimes a, an injured team limping in to these games late in the series where it just doesn't even feel fair. So I guess it's probably hard. I mean, the Super Bowl holiday, everybody gets together. It's probably just hard to get everybody together in the same place. But yeah, on the no, surface, it, as a football fan, it sounds amazing to me. Reminds me yeah. a little bit of college football getting to these playoffs now and that really breathing some life into that game. Yeah, and it certainly has for sure. I just, yeah, I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, they would they would say, well, you know, what if we get to the what if we get to a one one series and in game two, Tom Brady gets hurt, and now we got to bring in Brian Hoyer for the for the big one, and you know what kind of logistical nightmare is this from you know from all the production standpoint and everything. But I just thought it was an, I thought it was an interesting you know interesting question, interesting idea because you know that in a three game series in in the game of football, the best team's always going to come out on top, but I think just the way it's always been is the way that they're uh, certainly going to stick with. We'll see massive changes in football before that happens. Do you have anything else before we get the hell out of here? Nah, man, I'm good to go. All right, so you'll hear from us two more times this week, uh, Wednesday again with Byron and I, then Thursday with the Trash Man. So for the Trash Man, for Byron Lambert, for the Robot Genius, and all of Roster Watch Nation, I implore you, go to rosterwatch.com, support this podcast by getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com, and never be a fantasy football loser ever again. That is our promise to you. Uh, we will see you next time. <laughs>